everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 303. It's all about res. You can play along with the show. The next five podcasts we have lined up for you include 1080 Snowboarding and its sequel, 1080 Avalanche. Following that, it's Crackdown. That's the 2007 Xbox 360 game. Then we return to our Final Fantasy series and it's Final Fantasy 2. After that, another two, Resident Evil 2, also uh, in a year-long series of uh, us covering those podcasts. You may have enjoyed the Resident Evil 1 podcast already at this stage. And then after that, it's another PlayStation 1 uh, game of some vintage, and that is the original Tenchu Stealth Assassins, because we had a number of requests for that one from inside and outside the team. So uh, check that one out, and the entire schedule is at canarince.com. If you enjoy these podcasts and you appreciate the amount of work and time and effort we put into them, you can subscribe to our Patreon for just a dollar a month, which at the time of recording is merely 72 pence or 0.81 of a euro. And you'll also, as a little bonus and as a little incentive, you'll get every new podcast this year a week early. And that should be the case uh, in the future as well. You can also buy excellent quality T-shirts and bags. They're very cool over at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash rinse with both this Cana Rinse logo, but also the logo of our other podcast, Sound of Play. We are adding to the site, if we haven't already, a PayPal button. Uh, which uh, allows people to not commit to a subscription via Patreon, also takes uh, different methods of payment. The reason we're doing that is simply because quite a number of people have asked and they want to do a one-off rather than a monthly, and we're facilitating that via the PayPal button at canarince.com. Uh, and our other podcast, as I just mentioned there, is Sound of Play. If you don't subscribe and listen to it already, you really ought to if you enjoy what we do here at Cane and Rinse. It is focused around video games music, but we also talk games and the industry and uh, other games that we won't necessarily cover on here because we'll, we'll talk about anything that we play music from, and that's every Wednesday. Uh, subscribe, review and rate both of our podcasts wherever you can, and uh, we'll thank you for that. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 303 are Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Mikhail Croder. Hey, hi. <laughs> cool. And Tony Atkins. Hello. Not quite as cool. Uh, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I know, you weren't even trying. And uh, later on in this podcast, you'll be very pleased, Jay fans, to know that we'll be joined by Jay Taylor for some talk about virtual reality, Rez, uh, and also some serious name dropping. But uh, first, our histories with the game Res. So I'm going to start because I think I probably go the farthest back. I go back to launch day, uh, or at least European launch day for the original Res. And I remember it being a significant one because I was still a Dreamcast owner at this point, And so I had the option of the Dreamcast version or the PS2 version. I, I'm pretty sure this was the first time I bought sega published game on a machine that wasn't made by sega so the option was dreamcast res or ps2 res but i'd already read that ps2 res not only maintained the 60 hertz option that the dc version had in in power territories as well but also it ran at a higher frame rate 60 frames instead of 30 frames a second on the slightly more powerful machine so they'd optimized it for the new hardware so they actually this was sort of it felt ironic at the time that a Sega studio United Game Artists had put out a superior version of their own game on a competitor's hardware but the writing was on the wall for the Dreamcast at this point and I think they'd already announced some other games that were coming to uh, across to the other consoles things like Crazy Taxi so 
I didn't feel too bad. It felt like the dawning of a new era, Sega publishing on other people's machines. And so that's the version I played. And I played that a lot for the next uh, seven years or so. Um, there may have been a gap between sort of uh, the PS2 starting to phase out and the uh, Xbox 360 phasing in. But when that version came out, I bought that one day one, played a ton of it again and uh, played that version on and off for several years until the PS4 version came out. And uh, of course, I day one that one as well and have played that through a number of times as well uh, suffice to say i've owned pretty much every version of this and i've played them all through a lot of times uh, every stage many times over so yeah uh i'm qualified mikhil how about you see I, i'd have imagined you coming to this very early um be, given your sort of tastes and leanings and video game enthusiasm but i believe you've only come to this game relatively recently I think the first time I saw Res was on a friend's PS2. Mm -hmm. He showed it to me and I I don't know what kind of mood I was in, but I wasn't really interested to, to check it out. So he was yeah. kind of showing me off the first level and I sort of half glanced at it. I think it was more the mind state I was in. But uh, yeah, I, I heard the, the little beats and I saw some effects uh, while shooting video, uh, sh shooting enemies. And it didn't look very involved uh, or intense uh, to mm. me. And I probably completely disc discredited uh, the game based on that sort of m the mood I was in at the time uh, mm. uh, watching it. I eventually got the uh, got Res HD on the 360, and I'm, I was just trying to think why I got it in the first place, uh, because I'm kind of a, a philistine, uh, at least what it, when it comes to uh, video games. <laughs> Maybe more on that later as well. <laughs> But it might have been a colleague, uh, a German colleague at Nintendo of Europe that really talked it up to me. And he was or is a massive fan of uh, rail shooters, uh, Panzer Dragoon, the whole series, and uh, the Star Fox games as well, uh, which also I also love. I probably got talked into it, played it on and off, thought it was kind of neat, but also st still it never really captured me, even though I thought it was a, it was a good game and uh, some things in it I felt were quite amazing. For, I, I went back, of course, uh, playing the, the game more in a, in a different state of mind uh, for this podcast and I've got some new findings and some, uh, Hooray. Some, some stuff I got more enthusiastic about. Excellent. How about you, Josh? You'd have been young when this came out. Same old story, I know, but uh, fill us in. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I, I wasn't there for Res uh, on for its original release. Um, in fact, um, my first experience with Res, um, I didn't actually own the copy. This was a situation where I went round a friend's house. This was back when I was a teenager, and um, I was looking through his collection of PS2 games, and I saw Res, and it's you know immediately that cover and and everything like that, and you look at it and you think, what the what the hell is this? This mm. and I said, "What, well, dude? What, what's this?" And you, you haven't played Rezd, we're, right? We're sitting down and playing Rezd. So you know, we're teenagers, so we're, we're going to play an entire game in one evening. So that's basically what ended up happening. Is uh, I played for, uh, through all of Rezd on PS2 from start to finish around my this, this friend's house, and. Um, uh, I loved it, but not for... So I'm not a huge shooter fan. Um, uh, what draws me to it is the kind of music stuff. And, and I do feel like look at Res as kind of a formative experience, which I'll go on to into the body of the podcast. But yeah, that was my first experience. And then 
I went for ages, kind of like I just didn't own a copy, and but then eventually uh, the HD version came out, and that was the first version that I actually owned for myself. Uh, played yeah. through that, um, God knows how many times. Um, because of um, you know the game's brevity, and I'm sure you guys will uh, mention this as well. It's a, a very easy game to replay over and over and over and over and over again. And I basically, mm. you know, if it was possible to break something from overuse, a digital game from <laughs> overuse, I would have come close with uh, Res HD. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then I picked up uh, um, Res Infinite on the PC. Ah, nice. Okay, and uh, Tony? Yeah, so I was a Dreamcast owner uh, of mm-hmm. Res. So whether that was on launch, I'm not sure, but the possibility mm. I could have been before you because it's slightly early release. But um, yeah, I... I you're, you're the hipster version. Yeah, I, I, I must admit I didn't know about the frames per second at that time in my life, so I was more just... You know, yep. Res is a really interesting looking game, and uh, Josh already mentioned the cover. I think the cover art's a beautiful design, and obviously on that Dreamcast case, it, it looks even better. Um, and yeah, I remember the the appeal of the time was just it being you know off kilter, something slightly different about it. Um, you know, today, you know, today I think you know these kinds of shooters are, are ten to a dozen, um, but this was special. This was a you know a combination of, of, of music and design that I really don't think I'd really seen much before. So I was immediately drawn to it, and you know I loved my Dreamcast. Um, so anything, no, even if the thing was about to see its twilight years ahead of it, um, or twilight year, um, I you know I wanted to get it on that format, so I did. Um, I have played the PS2 version, and you are correct, it is a better version. But back when then, I, I stuck by my purchase and played for it lots of times on Dreamcast. Uh, yeah. Like the rest of the crew, um, gone on to buy the 360 HD version, um, just because it was quite an event to see that happen to to hit the HD consoles because we all knew it looked you know we knew we knew it looked stunning and it did indeed. And then yes, uh, brought the the Infinite version um, recently on the PlayStation 4, so it can look even better. And then eventually played um, the VR version of that title in vr so yes and and like you guys many times it's it's a relatively short game what an hour and a half maybe to play through um if that yeah yeah, yeah I, I it's a tweeted earlier in the week you know it's probably my my 20th 30th time through that game you know playing it again it's just you know we always laugh about you know how many times have you completed the game for the show and sometimes people say well, you know, once isn't enough well i think between the crew probably 200 times is probably enough so you know Oof, we, yeah. we should be all right <laughs> Yeah, goodness knows. Uh, yeah, obviously, this being Kane and Rince, we'll talk about the differences between the specific versions as we go through. Uh, and yeah, there's some interesting findings about the re-releases. Uh, so this was put together by the studio known as United Game Artists, which came after Sega sort of rebranded its AM departments uh, and gave them all different names. It didn't last that long, uh, actually, as I recall, though some of them are still called things like Sonic Team Um, and in fact what was United Game Artists had previously been AM9 and at some stage was rolled back into the modern incarnation of Sonic Team but uh, beyond that yes obviously Sega published the original version 
Uh, the director was actually Jun Kobayashi. It's uh, it's Mizuguchi is the producer. Jun Kobayashi, I've struggled to really find too much about. Only a handful of credits. Res being the main one as director, uh, at least uh, an, some kind of audio credit on a version, a late 90s version of Puyo Puyo. A localization credit on Skullgirls, but I'm wondering if that's even the same uh, Jun Kobayashi. Um, possibly did something on the PS2 Astro Boy game, which was the not so well received Astro Boy game unlike the Game Boy Advance Astro Boy which is uh, by treasure and very well regarded. Um, Mizuguchi, uh, his first game for Sega was in the arcades. Well, actually, it's it's not even a game as such. Uh, Megalo- Megalopolis or Megalopolis. I'm not really sure how you're supposed to say it. Tokyo City Battle is a kind of um, CGI sort of r- cabinet ride rather than an actual video game. Yeah. Uh, it was his first project for Sega, though. Uh, the first game he worked on he did okay with his first game he made sega rally championship and uh, (laughs) for many for many many years and i'm sure i'm sure still according to some people uh, one of the greatest kind of racing games ever made Uh, max tt superbike which was a kind of follow-up sega rally 2 space channel 5 uh, another music that was more standard rhythm action game, although bear in mind that was only two years after Parappa the Rapper, so these things were quite fresh at that point. And uh, and then came Rez, and obviously since then he's worked on uh, Luminez, 99 Nights, Child of Eden, Every Extend, uh, Extra as, as an executive producer. And uh, many moons ago, back in the early days of Kane and Rince, we introduced, uh, we interviewed, I should say, his uh, his one-time right-hand man, James Milkey, formerly of uh, American Games Magazines and various other amazing projects. And we talked uh, about this was around the time of uh, Child of Eden back in 2011, um, which is a game that you can still pick up very cheaply. I think it might be backwards compatible on Xbox One, not 100% sure. Um, But it is kind of a spiritual successor to Res, but it never perhaps quite uh, hit the heights or, or had as much sort of cultural significance. Um, the lead artist on the game was Katsumi Yokota, who went on to work with Miz on Luminez and Every Extend. Uh, the game came out in November 2001 in Japan. Uh, we had to wait only a couple of months until January in Europe. Uh, the Dreamcast version never got an American release. That version does not exist. And the PlayStation 2 version came out day and date in Japan and uh, January 7th in America and ah actually it was yeah it was uh, about a month later in the EU than the Dreamcast version so I obviously had to uh, hang fire on that Stop purchase until February though, the 22nd yeah, I like it well I did yeah yeah <laughs> that that double frame rate uh, I knew was going to mean a lot uh, the game reviewed generally very well and there it was um there were there were a lot of very high scoring reviews but there were also a few that just didn't get it or didn't get into it and uh, as such the average across 56 reviews was 81.54 percent and it's an interesting game in that every time it comes out even you know no matter how many years go by it reviews a little bit better than it did the time before (laughs) which is which is uh, definitely unusual and of course as always we will hear from contributors from the forum and this first piece comes from deacon 05 who says i remember when i got a ps2 i got two games metal gear solid 2 and virtua fighter 4 as well as a demo disc on that disc was a demo for res and believe it or not i played that demo so much more than my first two game purchases it was quite the experience I played music games like Parappa the Rapper before, but Res makes you feel like you are music. 
I eventually got the full game on PS2 and played it quite regularly. I sold the game and at the time I did not know of its rarity. I was quite disappointed when I thought I would e- I could easily acquire this game again and saw that it was being sold for prices I wasn't willing to pay. Once I got uh, an Xbox 360 and it was released digitally, I was relieved I could experience Res again. I put in just as many hours as I did before. I don't tend to do recommendations, but I would for Res. It's a fantastic game that hooks you from the very first beat. So we've been uh, looking up, of course, some influences for the original Res, and one of the oldest examples that comes up is a game called Otoki, and uh, this was from 1987, so a good 14 years before Res. It was uh, by a, a chap called Toshio Iwai, who would later go on to create the, if anyone remembers, the sort of bizarre but very cute DS sort of music synthesizer plaything called electroplankton and electroplankton still crop up in certain uh, modern nintendo franchises like smash you'll see some references to the electroplankton uh, games or experience but yeah it wasn't really a game so much as it was a you know one of nintendo's sort of curious digital playthings um, but otoki looks ever so cute it's a sort of side-scrolling game where as with res the music the beats uh, are the, the shooting sounds i should say are quantized to sort of create a rhythmic soundtrack to the game and obviously being a 1987 family computer disc system game it's very 8-bit uh, uh, blippy bloppy but it's actually uh, it's it's worth watching a video of it otoki o-t-o-c-k-y just mm-hmm. to see uh Jake Kasdal, who was the one North American member of United Game Artists, confirmed that uh, while the team became acquainted with Otoki, uh, it wasn't much of an influence, they said. Mizuguchi has mentioned Xevious in interviews, which is a game... uh, Obviously, Namco vertically scrolling 1982 shoot 'em up, very famous, uh, but it has a very sort of odd uh, soundtrack, uh, this sort of almost pretty much constant tinkly sort of Mm. burbly maybe i think it might be some sort of procedural generation music because it just kind of wibbles along and it doesn't seem to repeat itself too much you would associate it with maybe like an old sci-fi sound output from a computer or something Mm. like that you know like a a sort of a computer static noise uh... yeah something in the background in a star trek episode or something like that yeah Uh, Miz also mentions that when he first saw a Bitmap Brothers famous uh, Xenon 2 Mega Blast running, uh, on a, presumably on an Amiga or possibly one of the ports, uh, that was the first time he realised that music in a game could be more than just you know, a kind of a digital backing track. It could actually be a kind of major key part of the experience. Sega themselves, before the real sprite scalar tech boom of the mid-80s, they they made a game called Buck Rogers' Planet of Zoom, which uh, was a sort of into-the-tunnel game, very obviously a forerunner to Galaxy Force. Then you've got Space Harrier, Afterburner, Galaxy Force, and so on. And of course, as we mentioned it earlier, Panzer Dragoon. And Mikio, I believe you've been back to Panzer Dragoon. Much requested... Uh, Subject for Kane and Rinse shows, I, I suspect we will do that series someday in the future because I know there's there's plenty of fans. Actually, just uh, an hour ago, I started playing Panzer Dragoon just for to make uh, make some uh, sense of it and its ties to res in my own mind, like mm. uh, in a mechanical sense uh, mostly. Yeah, probably have more to say on that uh, if we discuss the pure mechanics of the game later on. We will, and naturally, we will. Yeah, so uh, UGA, as I say, uh, was converted from Sega AM9 in the late. Eight, uh, late 90s, so in 98, 99. 
And the game was developed under codenames K Project uh, for Kandinsky, more of which momentarily. Project Eden, there you go, and uh, Vibes. Uh, the name Res was eventually adopted, uh, for, formed from, shortened from the word resolve. Uh, Mizuguchi also felt the name uh, appropriate as it had made comparison to the movie Tron and the actions of characters in that being de-resed. Uh, and he wanted to make Res like a full body experience. And finally, with the uh, with the suit that we'll talk about later, he's finally got to do that <laughs> in in uh, in the in the, the late two thousand and tens. Miz has also attended uh, the street parade in Zurich, uh, large electronic dance music concert, three hundred thousand people, and he was hypnotized by the sights and the sounds, and uh, and that made him think of the artist, the Russian artist Vasily Vasily Kandinsky, and the uh, the the idea of that painter i am not an art student mickey i believe you've done a bit of research into this but the idea was that he was he he possessed some sort of level of synesthesia and he wanted to mm. uh paint what he saw basically the paint the sounds that he saw yeah synesthesia is kind of an interesting subject all in its own because yes it's very difficult to scientifically research it because all you have to go on is the the word and the ex, uh, descriptions of the people who claim to mm. be synesthetes and the type of uh, synesthesia that Kandinsky described and that uh, Mitsuguchi uh, used for inspiration uh, is actually called cro- chromesthesia mm-hmm. which is uh, the phenomenon in which you perceive or you can see see uh, sounds as uh, as colors yeah uh, which Kandinsky's um, circular paintings uh, colorful circular paintings uh, continuing the the sort of the Miz story on on this uh, he actually moved from uh, from an office in Haneda to the more vibrant community of Shibuya as he and his team began to research how to actually create this game, visiting clubs and attending taiko drumming festivals and meeting with VJs, just generally gathered in lots of influences and and tried to, I guess, tried to understand how he could make an interactive digital experience that somehow captured the f- kind of feelings that, that he wanted to capture. But mm-hmm. uh, but also it's interesting, given all that, that he did frame it around this quite established, yeah, on-rails shooter, more of which momentarily when we come back to the mechanics. Just want to hear from uh, another forumite before we crack on with that. Alex79, UK regular correspondent. Thanks, Alex. Says, Res is an incredible video game. It's one of the only games I have purchased multiple times. Firstly for the Dreamcast, which I paid well over the odds for. Then later for the Xbox 360 and more recently Infinite on the PS4. It's one of those games which, for me, transcends gaming and becomes more a piece of art. I'll often put it on just to play through Area 4, my personal favourite, with its relentless thumping techno soundtrack. And the soundtrack itself is amazing. It really adds to the trance-like state that I'll find myself in after only a few minutes of play. I do think that without the audio, Res would be an instantly forgettable on-rails shooter. But the way the sound ties all the visuals together, the audio cues when you lock on and release, when you transition between each stage of the level, and the way the music drops down before reaching the boss only to kick right back in again. Res isn't a game, it's an experience, and one I am happy to have over and over and over again. So the game is framed with a a story as such. Uh, I can't actually remember it. <laughs> it's something to do with you're going into a system. The 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 whole last level, which we'll we'll deal with separately, seems to be all about the the ascension of, of man's existence from something, you know, very mundane to something higher. Um, yeah, the base story is you you are a virus That's that right. attempts 
sort of a life governing computer network from tries to attempt it from shutting down mm. and you try to uh, bypass all the all the defenses and firewalls because if it, the, that system would shut down it would uh, have a major dramatic uh, impact on the on the world mm. um, but that's the base of it so there are certainly a lot of metaphorical yeah. uh, implications even going as far as uh, yeah the biological process of inception and, uh, and birth well I suppose uh, what I wanted to do with this podcast more than any other is normally we sort of break things down into bits but I actually want to try to see if we can discuss it all holistically uh, mm -hmm. to honour the form of the original <laughs> so where do you want to start just talk about everything at once like do you remember playing Res the first time and and what sort of sensations came over you or what were you struck by mechanically or whatever just go with the flow for me this was the first game I played where it started to kind of destroy that argument that uh, gameplay is the most important thing in your game because mm. t taken on its own the actual mechanics in res are not especially deep or uh, original or uh, in of themselves that compelling it is the art, the music, and the way that that art and music intersects with those mechanics that make t transforms what would be, as Alex um, said, a really rudimentary um, shooter into something uh, incredibly mm -hmm. special. Um, like, the thing that... I think Res does really well and is a really effective example of is, as Tony was kind of alluding to earlier, is a game that just immediately puts you in that flow state of hyper-focus where the walls bleed away, everything disappears, and all you see in front of you is this screen of colour and sound, and you're but brain is just taking a bath uh, in in endorphins throughout the entire experience. Like a lot of focus is paid on stage five, which I you know it's well deserved. But like the the very first stage, boogie running beeps, like just as a statement of intent of what this get experience is going to be, just hits you like mm. a sledgehammer and says, like, this is what is possible with this medium. Sorry if I'm getting really hyperbolic, but, uh, like, <laughs> Res is one of my favourite games of all time. Like, this is one of those podcasts for me. Um, and, like, yeah, that, that first track... Um, just transported me into this musical landscape. And while um, Res isn't, you know, necessary, I said this on the Sword and Sorcery podcast, while Res isn't, you know, a, ga a music game explicitly, it is a game about music and about how it um, affects us emotionally and all of that stuff. And yeah, I'm I'm rambling, so I'm going to let someone else take over. But like that, just kind of first impression of like um, how much the art and music matters to the, this experience in a way that um, you know the common kind of argument that gameplay is first w wouldn't lead you to think it would be. I think it's not, uh, and I don't mean to sound uh, disparaging here, but I think it's not that simple since. The, yeah. uh, the gameplay, the audio visuals, everything is so closely intertwined that it's almost, you, you can't almost, uh, it's maybe more so than in most other games. In Res, you can't really separate them and break them down yeah. into compartments, even though we will try attempt and attempt it. <laughs> yeah. I sort of wanted to say as well, like, 
as a fan of sort of rail shooters and and we should by the way make a distinction there is a difference between games like panzer dragoon and res and games like afterburner and Star Fox. Mm. and obviously there's lots of subtle more subtle differences but the main difference is that in panzer dragoon and res you don't actually move the main character about you that's only- that's what i uh that's what i explicitly went uh, back for today to to precisely to try yeah. and check that because you in panzer dragoon uh, you actually do move the uh, the main character oh, okay. uh, and its position but on only, the screen. Only but, subtly, but, though. Mm, yeah, not, not like, by not far like, not as much as Afterburner or Star Fox. Yeah, but it's it, it's there, and there are uh, small sections where you actually have to navigate through mm. little obstacles. Only it's yeah, it's far less that aspect of the game is far less emphasized in Panzer Dragoon and it's, yeah. it's in the other examples of the genre. Yeah, if you think about it. The only uh, reason why you even have an on-screen character in Res is to show you what, at one glance, what kind of powered-up state you you are in. Because there is no no projectile dodging or anything like that. It's no, purely no barrel rolls. Purely yeah. tar- target challenges. So when, once missiles are fired at you, you can't dodge them. The only thing you no. can do is try to shoot, shoot them, them before they reach you. Well, that's the other thing you need to know is is whether the is how close the the enemy projectiles are are to your. Yeah on-screen avatar such as it is because uh, mm-hmm. the cursor can be anywhere else on the screen at the time there is an unlock in the game where you actually have a first person perspective yep that's true uh yeah there's various uh, various effects and and secrets and doobies you can you can unlock through uh, repeated play yep. for sure but by default just talking about the, the the game as as you as you play it out the box kind of thing, uh, yeah. You just control a cursor. That's all you control, and you mm-hmm. can you can select whether you control it inverted or non. I personally play non inverted because I'm just controlling the cursor. I'm not tilting the yeah, nose of anything here. down. And I play yeah. inverted normally, so yeah. Right, that's interesting. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, Josh. Do you know if you is it up to up for you or down to up for you? <laughs> Up to up for me. Up to up. Yeah. Okay, so we all play up to up on this particular yeah. game, even those of us who might play down to <laughs> no, up no. if we if we were controlling a spaceship or a plane. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say that the difference for me, but uh, certainly at the time, was you know Panzer Dragoon and games of that ilk. I've always I I've struggled with them personally. I've I've, I've played them. I'm going to say Saturn, etc. But you know they they're out to kill me, and. You know that's that's fine, and that's a challenge, and, and some people like that. Res has never struck me as a game that was out to do anything other than to make my senses feel, you know, warmth and involved with what's happening on the screen. Maybe this ties into the subjectivity of difficulty, but well, no. some of the boss, bosses can really get me. Yeah. In, uh, in res, it also uh, we'll, we'll get and, onto and, this, but it also has an, an adaptive difficulty uh, setting, hmm. which uh, which which you'll notice the the better you're playing, the harder the okay, game well, gets. I'm, I'm not going to say res is without challenge, any kind of challenge. Of course, it's there. You know, you can actually play. Uh, well, certainly in Infinite, there's there's a uh, version of the just I think it's what they call it traveling, uh, which is just mm-hmm. you know nothing can kill you. Can just play through the game. That's right. Uh, as yeah. is, um, which I was letting my daughters do earlier because it, you know there's no risk, no no challenge to what they were just. No challenge. There's no risk to them, and they can just enjoy what the game has to offer. And it's actually quite nice to play the game like that. Um, equally, you know, I, I've never really, you know, compared to something like Panzer Dragoon, where you know that you die a lot in that game. Well, I found myself dying a lot in that game. <laughs> Res was never that kind of steeper learning curve for me. I felt like it was always trying to ingratiate me into the music while still maintaining as a video game. And I feel like yeah. that's actually, you know, 
kind of a, a 2000 or an early 2099 thing. I'd, I feel like we hadn't broken the shackles. Like if this game came out now and or there was the time period for that to happen, I do wonder whether the actual necessary necessity to to kill you know or to to be harmed would actually even be there once again it'd be interesting but i i enjoy the fact that missiles come to you and take him down but i don't i don't see it in the same league as those games um but there are there challenge. are a few boss bosses and their attacks that i figured them out now with re repeat play but they definitely caught me and sometimes i wasn't sure why i powered down all of a sudden you know? yeah that, why, that why am i orb one. all of a sudden there, uh, there may be an element of me talking from you know multiple playthroughs and actually playing it again now which you know doesn't seem too much of a challenge versus you know yeah. what i may be experiencing yeah. back the, then the, fir the first boss has a green tentacle attack uh, which is very hard to gauge how close mm -hmm. the tentacles are are to you uh, mm. for example yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's certainly. I don't think it's a game that's renowned for being overly difficult to beat. And in fact, Mikhail, you said uh, you were asking on Saturday. I think it was about the number of stages because you'd gone back to it and you'd played four stages, and that was it. And yeah. you sort of one CC'd it on your first go. And that is. Inf and I, I think that's pretty much by design how you're supposed to be able to do it. Mm. What you find is that the 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 more you play and and the better you're doing, the the more enemy the faster the more and the faster the enemy projectiles come in at you. But that gives you more scoring opportunities because every time an enemy shoots a projectile, mm -hmm. you can lock onto it and that increases your multiplier. So this is where the score the score attack game comes in. Um, but actually, I'm I'm sure it's a game that's designed to be finishable by almost anybody fairly yeah. quickly. Uh, and in fact, and and that means that you can enjoy you know the pure experience of it, the audio visual sensations and whatever without too much worry even if you don't if you don't want to go into the trance mode and, and do it without getting hurt there is a game in there and there are some bits I would say if there was if there was uh, if there was one mechanical flaw which I would think of straight away is the fact that sometimes you get hit by things that weren't even on the screen uh, by some enemies um, they hit yeah. you f almost from behind as such and yeah. unless you've been sweeping the camera around in quite wide arcs which you can do to an extent by putting the cursor to the limits of the screen it is still possible particularly on the bus rush I find at the end of area 5 it is possible sometimes to get powered down by uh, by projectiles that you'd never actually yeah, seen area so 5 I is a challenge and that's where you need to keep was it your red your mm -hmm. web runs to clear the things off screen. Yeah. I, I was going to say, Tony was actually saying a lot of uh, what I was going to say later on, um, where it like, th th this this for me isn't really a shmup because I'm not I'm not a huge fan of shmups. I'm not a huge fan of that genre. <laughs> and um, I really, really struggle to enjoy any of them. Um, so the I, I kind think, of... I, I, I think I, I'm worried that people are getting genres all muddled up here. I mean, this mm -hmm. this might be, this is arguably an, a rails shooter, but it has no real resemblance to a what we would call a shoot 'em up Okay. Like they're, um, they're so, those genres are so so very very different in terms of everything about them mechanically um, that I'm I don't. Not, yeah. I'm not sure I I would uh, agree, but I think we'll really go on a, a huge side tangent <laughs> if we <laughs> if we get into it. Uh, my preferred term for uh, rail shooters because you, a lot of people also call, for example. Something like House of the Dead, a rail shooter, right? Because you're on, on rails going through an environment. Yeah, and all you have but to obviously do is shoot. the yeah. control interface is the major difference there, unless yeah. you're playing House of the Dead with, uh, with a pad and therefore using a cursor, which is why I said earlier that actually in some ways this is closer to a light gun shooter, albeit without a light gun. And in fact, the fact that 
the connect was used to control child of eden suggests even more that res and child of eden are closer to light gun shooters than they are to say traditional 2d shooter maps yeah i think i think josh is not not that far off the mark actually because i i feel like the the real the like the pants of the goons and the star fox they're almost scroll auto scrolling shoot 'em ups only not from a, a 2d side perspective but from a behind the yeah, character okay. perspective i can see that, that. that's yeah. yeah that's kind of what i'm i, I mean i understand that there is different mechanics in play but in terms of the the ex- overall experience my experience of those two genres is very similar um just mm-hmm. i i yeah. understand why people love them but like i it's not a genre i flock uh, either genre is not something i flock to so what sure. appeals to me with rez is just that that kind of visual stuff i wasn't really much for the you know the score chasing and stuff only because i you know i was hitting every target because of the sound effect associated mm-hmm. with hitting mm-hmm. those targets targets and the kind of endorphin rush of getting you know highlighting uh several targets at once and having them all go yeah. off at once that that's the motivating it's, force for me not it's the funny Josh, because i mean what you you know what you said there is actually kind of how i feel. I've, I've listened to uh leon on our slack channel talk about you know the the exclusion of leaderboards on infinite and it being yeah. you know uh, I, I didn't ter- miss you know, really <laughs> terrible show to me you know i've never used it as a, a score chasing game i've used it as that kind of you know just chill out and to the state of that kind of game um so to me it was you know absolutely not a big deal but then you know a game isn't you know isn't one thing to every person so you know, no. you know equally uh, i'm interested to hear how you know leon um in particular has enjoyed this as a a score chase game where you know that's not something that has uh, particularly interested me well exactly really what i was just talking about so it becomes about and mikhil as well i mean yeah i i can sort of see what you're saying about the the there are some uh definitely some strong shared elements between an on-rails shooter and a and a 2d shoot 'em up in some senses, but in another sense, the key, I guess, what I would consider to be like the key mechanic of of a, say, a cave shoot 'em up would be moving the ship around. And that's the one thing that you don't yeah. do in this. You move the cursor around, <laughs> yeah. which is effectively aiming your shots. And that's that to me is like kind of a huge difference. Yeah, that's um, definitely the true, the very true for Res. <laughs> so what I'm doing, so yeah, so I said at the start, I've already, I've bought every version of this game, haven't got the PC version yet, although I might because it does have leaderboards, unlike the PS4 version. <laughs> um, I've completed it dozens and dozens of times each version i've had i've played through every level dozens and dozens of times and that whether that would be true without the score attacking i suspect yes to an extent but not nearly as much for me it's uh, it's actually the marriage between the whole audio visual sensation and the score attacking because that for me brings everything up to an even higher level of kind of you know that sort of trance like transcendental state where you're not only completely existing and thriving on the music you know the sound effects all being quantized with the music but you're also fully focused on actually trying to maximize your uh, your inputs and your outputs so that everything that's coming on the screen so instead of just seeing so for instance you're you know four enemies pop on the screen you can just shoot you just drag your cursor along them and lock onto all of them release the button and bam 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 they all they all die in an, in a 
pleasing sequence. If you're going for high score, you want to only release your lock on button whenever it's on a times eight, if possible. So mm. you're always trying to maximize the number of targets that are on screen, whether that be by leaving things longer so they shoot or leave things longer so more things appear. But then, of course, you're running the risk of them disappearing off screen or other things appearing and then disappearing before you've had time to deal with them. Mm. And as you go through the game, that becomes more and more of an issue. Of course, the more bullets you do allow the enemies to get on screen, the more chances there are that you're going to miss something and let it get through and, and level you down, which has a, a negative effect on your score and the overall difficulty, which also will have a subsequent effect on your score. So, you know, none of that stuff is essential to enjoy the game. And as such, I understand why for, for many people it won't have been an issue. The, the fact the PS4 version hasn't got high score table, but the fact the original the original version of the game had fairly comprehensive offline leaderboards you know this was obviously this was a game that was designed to be high score attacked it might not be the only way to play it but it is one of the key ways to play this game and it mm -hmm. was clearly designed with this in mind there's a reason there's a times indicator at the top left of the screen all the time to tell you what multiplier you're getting like mm -hmm. is a reason everything's got a very specific amount of points this was very clearly designed by a man who who'd already made some very um you know exacting uh technical games that were you know people for instance Sega Rally it was a game obviously it's not score based but it was time based this was a game that people used to play and play and play over and over again partly for the experience and the blue skies and the music and the skidding around the corners and the feel of it but also it had such fantastically slick and deep technical chops that it was also about getting that extra something yeah. out of it. And for me, mm -hmm. score attack in res is what elevates this game beyond a very cool piece of art <laughs> and into and into something even better than that. I can, I can take that shot. That's fine. I'll, I'll allow uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> that is really fascinating to, to listen to uh, because that, that means you're enjoying the game based on more than just... A, a couple of its elements, but you're as, as a as a complete whole. At least that's what it sounds to me like. That I think that's I, where the genius of Res is. Like it's beyond the the uh, undoubted amazing audio visual achievement. Like, uh, but you know, if if it wasn't for that score attacking stuff or the or the the level and depth of it, just waving a cursor around and popping targets to me is not that. Yeah, but it's the formation of music at that point, uh, and I think that's yeah. where Josh and me sit. It's you know, yeah. yes, I can get the six times multiplayer and sure it can make me more score but it also makes a more interesting uh, element to the soundtrack that i'm listening yeah, yeah. to yeah so it's yeah. it i guess it's trans for me that's heightened line. when i know that it's also coming with an improvement at a game but i mean i love you know i love score attacking games games with deep mechanics mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. if you know yeah. if, I, if i enjoy the fundamental gameplay are there to be score attack whether it's a cave shoot 'em up, Akai Katana, or Next Machina, or yeah. whatever. I, I love mechanically deep games, and I hope you're not taking me in tone. Like we're not trying to take down. What no, 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 of course. But um, like I'm just trying I, to sell that that next yeah, level yeah. experience mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and like if if we were talking about Bayonetta or Devil May Cry Three, I I would be there with you. Like with those kind of games where I feel like I'm really that kind of mechanical depth from that particular genre is something that I really just lock into. Like that, they're audiovisual spectacles as well. And they're yeah, only... yeah. But um, I I think for me with Res, it's 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 almost like the the art and music is so overwhelmingly powerful for me that it's 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 almost hard for me to even focus on that other aspect of the game like hmm. it's it's hmm. it just 
be, it engulfs the entire experience and becomes the sum total for me. Even though I understand that that's not the case for everyone, that that audio visual stuff is deep enough to kind of work on sure. its own. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And 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 again, I should say, you know, there's me sort of giving the the, the score attack and the the deeper mechanics the big sell. But actually, when we did Bayonetta two not so long ago, we had a top tier player on who was very critical of that game for it not being as deep as its predecessor. And but there's me not really even being able to appreciate that because I'm not that invested in the mechanics not as much you know maybe i'd like to be more um but it it is still a slightly different thing because obviously here you have got yeah you, you, you there's there's multiple different kinds of feedback i guess is what we're coming to so yeah. there is the pure audio visual feedback now i'm getting that still and i'm probably enjoying it just as much as you guys are but i've also you know because Miz, Miz and his team put it there, I've also got that extra layer of that particular sense of um, feeling and achievement and uh, risk reward and tension that you get when you're when you're trying to high score a game that you know you know you know really well and you replay the levels and you start to learn exactly where the next things are coming on screen and you've already got the cursor in position and you know that you've only got a certain amount of time to hit everything and it is a different experience. It's it's yeah it's probably less relaxing but more ultimately for me in this particular game more rewarding and it's kept me playing it for best part of 20 years now so yeah right so uh i've been playing the game more intensely only the in the in the past week as more appreciative of it as i became and a lot of my initial hang-ups i think also had to do with me not being a huge fan of electronic dance music uh, instrumental electronic dance music so i think Mm. that also was kind of a hurdle for me to really fall in love with this game i'm not either actually but it depends on the context. So, yeah. yeah, contextual it makes uh, the most sense in the world. So, but I couldn't help but feel while playing the game, like think, like you know what would make this game even better if it would be if the intensity uh, and the difficulty would be ramped up considerably, mm-hmm. and if with every conquest or every victory I had in the game, that that would uh, and in a sense that already works that way but because the difficulty is quite lax you don't get that effect but that would add to the music and it would pump me up and bring me to uh, a, a state of ecstasy uh, mm. you know you that real in the zone uh, feeling that you you get when you play a really difficult game and you you're there you're you're focused and everything comes together what my understanding of it is the better if you so playing score attack mode rather than the story game which is where you know where the where the score attack gameplay comes in is that the the difficulty does ramp up the better you're playing so you need to be it's got you know look you you know about this Mikhail you probably taught me about this more than anyone else which is the sort of the fairly traditional thing in in Japanese 2D shoot-em-ups about having a behind the scenes kind of um, Mm. gauge as to how well you're doing this game has this game has that so Mm. you need to be playing well like really well which, of course, yes, does, like most games, require a certain amount of memorization, but then the execution. Um, the more the more evolved you are, the harder the enemies get. Um, so that means the, the more... The faster they'll, they'll shoot projectiles. The faster they shoot probably. projectiles. Yeah. So the more times eight multipliers you can get on the screen at any one time. Um, I think there is, you know... There, I, I imagine that my scores on, say, the 360 version that I played a lot with online leaderboards are nowhere near the top, despite the pa- fact that I've played this, you know, many, many times. So while, yes, there is a ceiling, I don't think it's 
you know it's it's within the realms of most people to get there um there's <laughs> yeah. enough there's enough ceiling there's enough variance and and uh skill uh and sort of options and and analog yeah. mistakes in that in i that. see that and you you already got me a, a bit more excited to go back and uh, attack this attack the score attack mode to answer your question a bit more Mikhail, for good or ill there uh, for for good or ill i should say there is also some rng at play in that the items that appear the the ev evolution items both three and one yeah. blocks of evolution are a certain amount there's a certain amount of randomness with those uh same with the with the uh overcharge supers which uh, you need you might you might only get one or two in a run or you might get four or six or something like that do That's you get pen penalized for using them that's uh, the impression no. I got from the scoring rundown uh, I, screen, like um, support the soap support item uh, factor. I, you do, in the, I think you do in the sense that for each hit during the period that your overdrive is running, you only get times one. So of course mm -hmm. you're limiting yourself to yeah. times one instead of times two or times five or times eight. Also, there are in the score attack mode, there are these green cylinders which appear sporadically, and again, you don't know how many you're going to get on a run, and they add to your score basically. So and, there is, and so it's that, not based on how many how many targets you take down. I've in, uh, never worked the it out. Lockdowns? I've never yeah. worked it out. Um, if if that information is out there, I, I still haven't read it. I assumed it was. Yeah, I assumed it was with mm. the the mounted chained hits that you did. I mean, I, yeah, that's so. that's the impression that I got. How well, I was that would reward, be cool. rewarded with evolution uh, items. Mm. Yeah, the blue yeah. the blue pickups. Um, yeah, but that's that was just an impression. I'm, Sometimes uh, it feels more random than others, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure. The way the uh, your score is presented at the end of a level is fair. It's based on analyzation. It's called yes. right. So how mm -hmm. that that basically means. Uh, and Leon explained this to me because I didn't get it uh, mm. initially throughout the week. Uh, based on you that you catch the upgrade cube that uh, precedes you through the level before it goes off the screen. Yeah. And then uh, there's a shut down. So how many uh, the the percentage of of uh, targets that you shut down. Uh, and then there's the support item, mm. uh, which I'm not sure I got. But that led me to believe that that was all there was to the scoring system. So as soon uh, as you hit that 100%, no. yeah, where where do you go from there? No. Uh, you know? <laughs> no, there's points. So, so yeah. I guess that kind, got, kind of got me not really interested to try out the, the, the score attack uh, by itself. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. No, it's completely different. The the For instance, the score I got on Area 5 today was like 300 and... 50,000 points or something like that. I mean that and and you know and you could get way lower and way higher than that. So there's a lot yeah, yeah there's a, there's a lot of variability there. However, there is a best ending which I've never actually achieved <laughs> because you have to get 100% um shot down in on all the areas including area 5 and I don't think I've ever I've got like, you know, I've got high 90s but I've never yeah. quite managed everything. Um I've watched it obviously outside of the game but despite all my many years of playing it and my talking a big game I've never actually got that. There are a lot of targets to to shoot down as There are a lot of targets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but leading quite back into uh leading in back into the audiovisual side because I was also trying to argue that everything is really part of of one whole, and then so the the shooting of targets is uh, has sound effects and visual effects leading back into the let's say uh, the visual experience of sound and the whole synesthesia thing, mm -hmm. cro uh, chromesthesia thing, is it has quantized quantized sound effects attached attached to them. Yeah, and this is maybe the single most baffling and impressive thing about the whole game for me that the 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 hi hat and the drum hits when you 
shoot down enemies and how come it never sounds offbeat <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah. it holds Incredible. them back uh, until it's the right time to release them yeah it's yeah. the same as uh, if you've ever played Space Invaders uh, Extreme it does the same thing there's there's yeah. various games that do this to some effect it, it, it's a little weird at first like obviously it's hard to go back now to 2001 when I uh, two rather when I first played this but I do remember at the time thinking you know why is why is everything not quite lining up and the other thing I would say uh, as a sort of I don't know whether this counts as a, a criticism because no it is a criticism Um, as much as I enjoy the audiovisual experience and sensation of this game I remember reading one magazine at the time saying that uh, somebody in the magazine office was hating the fact that this game was really popular with everyone else because they thought it sounded horrendous like a cacophony to them when Mm. they weren't playing it and I think I think I could uh, I I think I could suggest that my partner might feel the same way about that (laughs) I think actually particularly the bosses I think that sort of Mm. constantly hammering the times eight and depending on what form you're in and what sound effects you're uh, evoking from your own avatar i think it can sound actually a bit unmusical at points yeah uh, which yeah. which is sort of part of the experience but also i feel like there was there was some time there are some times where i'm actually thinking yeah this i was i was really enjoying this up until this point and now yeah, it, it's a bit of a carnage that, bit of a chaos those tones are actually quite funny so i'm, I'm thinking like dun, 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 like those things are ingrained into my memory and it, you know there's there's a number of games throughout the, the years where it, you can just hear you know a single second from that from uh, you know a, a, a sound in the game and go oh yeah that's that and i think res has a number of those now they may oh, for sure, musically yeah. you know they may not always make sense and then actually sometimes they will destroy a perfectly good pattern of a song but you need them as uh, feedback to what you're actually doing on screen um and yeah, yeah i think the um yeah. I mean, the, the, the song a song will play out regardless. You, know, you could just sit there. I've watched this in kind of the travel mode. You know, you can just sit there and, and a song will play out. And it, yes, it doesn't have every single kind of beat that you're adding to it, but it's a reasonably decent song within itself. And it's actually one of the um, the issues I, I probably have with the game in, in 2018 versus you know, 2001, which is I, I feel like, you know, the music's really good, but it's kind of feels a little bit kind of dated you know early 2000 kind of late mm. 90s it's techno of its pop. time yeah and it for like, sure so playing it now i feel like you know music is a bit more kind of organic and a bit more kind of you know layered and framed and actually res feels a little bit kind of tinny and hollow a little you know it's not to take you know it is a a game of its era so it's actually funny playing for it again you know recently uh, i've been for i think five times in the last week and actually experiencing slighted slight a different feeling towards the music and how the game plays to how i feel over you know the period of time but then you know that's natural i i mean i'd agree it's definitely of its era um i don't think it's aged though like for me uh it's so um it's so iconic at this point that oh, that. even yeah. even 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 with um, you know the kind of era it comes from taken into account, I think it transcends that. I think the music yeah. is is just so good. It's like the Blade Runner soundtrack for me. It's like the Blade Runner soundtrack is very eighties, but at the same time, yeah. there's a reason why that soundtrack is still considered one of the best because it kind of transcends that period of time and becomes more than more than the 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 decade it came out of and mm. i agree and like 
And I, I think, you know, going back to kind of um, Leon's point about it becoming a cacophony, definitely, definitely, if you're an observer, yes, mm. that's definitely the case. When you're playing the game, though, because your fingers are connected with the sounds that are created, like it feel like when you're the player, when you're in the driving suit, it feels all connected. It feels good, and um, like the, some of the boss fights, like yeah, like it can be hard to distinguish the individual melodies amongst all the different kind of blasts and explosions. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm I, th- that feeling that you're creating those sounds. Is is something that I wouldn't want to take away from anyone. He, like and uh, just watching it play out, as Tony was talking about, just isn't the same. Mm. Um, and I, I just want to like highlight a couple of things that I think like are kind of iconic, like sound wise for me. Mm-hmm. But you know the the blocks that you hit. Um, you know, eight, seven, uh, six, five, yeah. four, mm-hmm. three, two, one, mm-hmm. and then that that just. I, yeah, I'm go. I'm threatening to go into hyperbole again, but like the, 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 that that moment for me is just it's just like instant endorphin rush. No, I think that's all uh, all fair. And yes, the the this is a game that still makes me chair dance. Uh, you know, yeah. like when, when when you're going from from sequence to sequence, I cannot stop nodding my head. And particularly yeah. in, in 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 no greater case, uh, and I've written about this a couple of times, once for our site and once for uh, our friends over at uh, Lace with Wax blog, Lace Records for for Thomas uh, Area Five. Which, uh, regardless of it, like, I mean, as much as I will play it for high score, as I was talking about earlier, this this is really Area Five is the part of the game where transcends everything for me like any individual um sorry josh talking about hyperbole you've just segued into me being hyperbolic but <laughs> area five sort of transcends all all the media that make it up for me mm. you know it transcends art transcends graphics transcends music transcends video games it for me area five is just one of the most sort of in astonishing spine tingling coherent powerful i find i do i still i cannot i have no idea the amount of times i've played through area five some of the polygons now on the little transition bits look a bit yeah. old even on the even on the the, the remade version it's a blessing there's that there's some sort of washy effects yes uh, going it over is them. Yeah. if that wouldn't be there it would uh, uh, that would definitely break the sense would. of timelessness yeah. that uh, that rest exudes but everything, you know, even the little boxes of text, which are kind of silly in in a way, and uh, and also the, the the lines of speech that you get in the in the final approach in the boss rush, everything still gives me chills. You know, it's like, mm. um, and 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 it is just the the most a- astonishing pick of uh, of music, Adam Freeland's Fear, which incorporates that California soul yeah. sample, um, and. Yeah, it's I, you know, it's for me, it's one of the, if not the greatest single sort of stage in gaming. It takes about, it's about fifteen minutes long from start to finish, and then there's a ten minute boss rush as well. I mean, <laughs> which I, I got to admit, I don't always play the boss rush. I mean, which, which just goes to show that it's not just about the high score for me because sometimes <laughs> after I've done Area Five, I'm like, yeah, I don't really fancy doing the bosses today because I'm, yeah, I've, that's I'm a visual so, treat in itself. You know, I'm so a, Eden together. I, yeah. Exactly, I've so I've so ascended, um, and yeah, I you know I don't I don't take drugs, I don't smoke anything, I don't pop any pills, I never have. Um, in the case of the latter, there, uh, I don't even drink anymore, and this <laughs> is like a 
proper natural high for me. Uh, yeah. I suppose you could yeah. say like, it's this a, can be this can be a drug, a chemical high. One of the nice things uh, of, I suppose. of res actually, I, I feel like it is surprising because I think you know, if you look from it from the outside and you were to say, oh, you're you're kind of you're going into like a computer system and to break down the viruses and stuff like that, like you 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 know you really do start to think of Tron. Like you you would expect this to be far more wireframe, far more mechanical. And actually, when you start looking at what you're you know, essentially shooting down, there's there's a kind of weird uniqueness to everything that you see. And by the time you get into Area 5, you know, there's trees <laughs> and, and yeah. skylines. And, but it, and even and before odd. that, in the uh, in the previous stages, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, there are a lot of elements of human civilization and history mm-hmm. uh, yeah, spread throughout and... it. So that tells... Mm kind of a, a story of humanity all in itself as well hmm. which i which i think hmm. is impressive even you know by today's standards you know it, it's a uh, you know it's quite a, an abstract looking game but i think for 2001 yeah. it, I, I found that a, a real treat because you know gaming was i really feel like gaming was that part of an evolution period of of ideas really hitting the you know the fray and the technology to actually you know, empower uh, developers to actually bring this stuff to the screen and i remember being just blown away by by what that game had to offer from a visual standpoint even if by today i think there's elements of it that of course have, have dated and you know the multiple versions we've had thereafter do a really good and interesting job i think if you play each one back to back and actually seeing the art design um jump from the screen you know like it, it could never do you know back on a, you know, an original dreamcast given that it's basically only been up and and up frame rated if you had the dreamcast version i think it's astonishing how much it hasn't dated given mm. its age and i think yeah. that is to do like it was never a, a a polygon a polygonal tour de force it wasn't wasn't about how many polygons or how realistic it looked it was always it always had its own style everything Everything is used for effect in this mm-hmm. game. The wire, the wireframes, and then the trip, trippy effects that over, uh, overlay them or in the background. Yeah. Um, and what you said about Area Five—that's also where I started falling in love with the music because mm. it has more of a slower three-quarter style beat. Yeah. And that California Soul sample—that's just amazing. That's I, you used on uh, the Little Wax. Yeah, the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon used on the, the Lace with Bex block the, the word elation, and that was exactly the, the word that came to my head as well. Mm. Uh, it was also a sample used in uh, Gangstar's Check the Technique, and it's just that th- that string section just... Mm. It's like rays of, of light breaking through clouds at that yeah. moment. I mean, it's you an know, extraordinary sort of record. Sense. There's loads of versions of that record, but uh, yeah. but that's a particularly great version. And, uh, and yeah, that's yeah, the, uh, the Marlena Shaw that's version. Right. Yeah. And the sample is sort of kind of sort of messed up a bit. Um, yeah. But it still has it still has that same effect. And I remember, you know, I'm not an expert on this kind of music. I, I wasn't then. I'm not now. But I remember uh, showing this to a friend at the time and he's like, you know, oh, Ken Ishii. Oh, my God. Adam Freeland. Like he knew he knew the stuff. He was like, mm. this is a seriously cool soundtrack. Obviously, this was in 2002. But uh, but even so, uh, yeah. Um, did Area 5 do for you, uh, Josh and Tony, what it what it does for me still to this day? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think the thing with Area 5 is it, it really benefits, as McKeel said, from the slower pace. Like the previous four stages are very, very fast paced. Even like the stage just before this, stage four, where you've got the running man and it's just really, really upbeat, you know, like yeah. rocking soundtrack. Mm. Whereas e- this echoey just, drums, yeah. 
Yeah, whereas this just like like at first, like it speeds up as it goes along, but at first it's like really serene and and um haunting um mm. is the the word I, I think I would use to describe it. And um yeah, the like this being the one that has um much more of a distinct kind of artistic intent as well the others do as well that you know there's talking about like civilization as Mikhail was talking about but like it's much more explicit here and it lends the stage kind of a gravity uh, alongside the kind of visual audio pleasure but like the feeling that it's kind of enriching you in other ways um, which um, uh, makes it unique amongst the uh, the the five stages mm. yeah I also recommend the, I think it's another unlockable, it's called Lost Area, which is mm-hmm. a, a sixth stage. It doesn't have a boss, uh, but it, it's quite challenging. I say it's actually hard, it's relatively hard. Off you, it is, one of, the the mo- it is yeah. one of the tougher levels, and it has a sort of, a, again, a fairly laid back sort of almost 808 state kind of soundtrack. I can't remember which track it is and who's it, who, who it's by, but uh, yeah, it's worth checking out as well, as are many of the unlockables. Um, there's a Marolian from Space Channel 5 you can get as an avatar, for instance. So, <laughs> nice. Um, nice little Sega uh, nod. One thing we ought to mention before we move on is, of course, the unfortunately named, perhaps, I don't know, Trance Vibrator. Uh, <laughs> lots of innuendo and giggles. Uh, <laughs> I remember when this was first out and about, the idea was that you strapped it uh, somewhere to yourself, uh, feet buttocks, lumber, whatever you wanted. And uh, I know a few people who actually imported these. I really didn't. I thought it was uh, uh, just I could not see myself sitting there with a trans vibrator <laughs> on. But uh, yeah. but people did. They didn't get an official release over here, but uh, some people imported them. Um, ever fancy a trans vibrator, guys? Well, sure. Mm. Sure, but, you know, <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> what, what they allowed you to do on the uh, the 360 HD version, they allowed you to connect multiple controllers. That's right. Um, yeah. So you could have your own weird makeshift transvibrator if you wanted to stick controllers to yourself. <laughs> was it up to, like, seven think, controllers yeah, or something, it was something like, 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 yeah, like so you One down actually... each sock, one in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> and so on. I honestly so, yeah. never did it, honestly. No, so not on video. I, I think I think in in the end, wrapping the section <laughs> section up, what I tr- I'm trying to say throughout the whole part of this discussion is that everything kind of feeds into each other in uh, in rest. So the mechanics serve the audio and the visuals, and the audio and the visuals serve the mechanics. It's like mm. yeah, yeah. It's it's just one one whole. Which any good game should do, to be fair. So the game did indeed get a. A triumphant re-release, I would say, in uh, 2008, so just six or seven years on from the original. It was uh, handled by Hexadrive, who are the people who also handled Akami HD and did a fine job with that, among other games. It was, I remember it was, uh, it was, I think it was 800 Microsoft points as well, so it wasn't even like an expensive game. It was like seven quid. And not only did they go to the effort of uh, up the graphics, uh, they also included the original uh, 4.3 aspect ratio lower res option for completist, which I appreciate even if I never use it. Mm. Um, so the graphics were now 16.9 widescreen. There was a 5.1 audio mix, which whereas the predecessors were only stereo. Obviously, you had your online leaderboards and your achievements, and you could use controllers as trans vibrators. Um, yeah, and this was just a superb version, I think. A great HD, you know, a great example of a game that had HD slapped after 
after it and was a completely worthwhile re-release on a ubiquitous system. And yeah. in fact, the reviews showed this because it reviewed way better than the original did. Incredibly, <laughs> seven years on, it got 88.62% from 42 outlets. So, wow. It once again highlights just that, uh, the, the timeless look of it because it doesn't look like a low-poly uh, game in higher resolution because of its visual stylings. No, it's it's actually worth, I think, anyone who's got either Res HD or Res Infinite to either boot up the original one, either the DC original or the PS2, or uh, look at the classic mode on, on Res HD, because I think a certain amount, there there is a certain amount of um, talk people saying, oh, the, you know, Res, ha- Res hasn't aged. Well, actually, if you play the original version, <laughs> it probably has a bit. Yeah. But we're now, for the last 10 years now, we've been playing it in 1080p. So that that's and and widescreen, which is why it looks slightly better. But I I think let's let's not underplay the achievement of the fact that the game still looks as good as it does right. upscale to those uh, higher mm, resolutions. No, just, um, yeah, that's that's the benefit of of modern technology taking an old game like this and you know pushing it forward. I mean, the the infinite release. I mean that goes. I mean you can play that on PlayStation Pro at four K. Um, so you know that's another ah, yeah. big improvement over. Um, there's a good digital foundry video on it where you know they're on the pc version they're playing it in 8k and all the way up to 12k <laughs> um yeah and it still it, looks good yeah i mean it takes a monster pc of course but um the fact that you can do it and then i think that it maxes out and it can't run any higher than that but the, the point is um and having been playing on in 4k over the last week or two um you know, because primarily it's a game based with a lot of grid lines, etc. Like making those grid lines that much more sharp and you know defined edges to them really does actually kind of bring you into a game a little bit more. Um, it just mm-hmm. it feels like the version that they would have always wanted to make back in 2001. But obviously, you know, 480 was it 480i? I think the the, the Dreamcast would have been putting out. You know, there's a there's a big jump between the resolutions of those. But the fact is, the artwork is still spectacular. And just high, you know, high in that um, resolution just means that you can see it in that much more you know clarity. And it and it really does make the game feel that much more kind of fresh and new again. Mm. Jobo Bonobo from the forum says Res is a very special game for me. When it was re-released on the 360, a good friend of mine had recommended it to me and said I should check it out. Unsure, I downloaded the demo and after its basic but memorable first level, I was sold. Its combination of simple wireframe graphics that evolve in complexity the better you get at the game, along with the music changing along with your actions, made it the most mesmerising experience in gaming I had to date. The graphics are unusual for a Dreamcast era title in that they are absolutely timeless in their aesthetic which helps it age beautifully. The soundtrack is a real belter with each tune ingrained into my brain and has helped me appreciate electronica as a genre more fully. The rail shooter gameplay is easy to get into and in later levels multitasking by shooting multiple enemies at once while quickly shooting down missiles is a skill that I am still trying to perfect to this day. Bosses are some of the most fun I had going up against in any game and are a true feast for the eyes at times. The final level of Res is perfect, a telling of not only the evolution of life on Earth but what happens after you die. It is a truly emotional way to end a game with its accompanying track Fear by Adam Freeland being one of the soundtrack's biggest highlights. While the game has only five levels, each level is such fun to play through that Res is one game I constantly go back to and is definitely an effective counter to the truism in the game's industry that bigger always means better. Res is an absolute classic and will forever be in my top 10 favourite games of all time. Thank you. So yes, that brings us to Res Infinite. This came out on PlayStation 4 in October 2016, August 2017 on Windows PC, November 2017 on Android. 
I don't know how that version fares. I assume it's all right. Reviewed even better, ever so slightly better. Maybe it wouldn't if it hadn't had more reviews, but uh, 89%. So each version, more pixels, more points. Um, so yeah, as Tony mentioned, you can play this one in 4K if you've got a PS4 Pro. Uh, actually, it looks no better on standard PS4 than the Xbox 360 version. It's still 1080p60. I don't think it looks any different if there's any subtle differences forgive me um so 5.1 audio which replaced stereo audio has now become a 3d audio if you have the right <laughs> uh setup you can now play it on steam or oculus or vive or daydream uh yeah and just to touch on it one more time so the pc version has leaderboards the ps4 version <laughs> and we have doubled and treble checked does not have high score leaderboards which for me is an such a massive on and an oversight yeah it's got it one best yourself. score it keeps one best score which is um something like 24 fewer than it kept on the original version back in 2001 but apart from that it's a fine version especially if you've got a 4k telly and, and a ps4 pro and or a virtual reality headset um, and we'll also talk about Area X with our virtual reality chat. Well, I mean, Area if, X isn't only only available. No, to, it's not. So. But I think it's. I think. I think we'll. Yes, it's not only virtual reality. But I'll tell you why I want to talk about it in regards to virtual reality. But I think it's about time we brought in if he's uh, if he's <laughs> available. Jay Taylor. Good evening. Hey, hello. Welcome just, to the show. Just to make a point, um, Area Four has the best music track than any other in jay's opinion none of this area five stuff Shizuka's rocky sponge is by far the best track in there <laughs> that's Shizuka's rocky sponge it's a great yeah. track the guitar kicks in i know a lot of people are a big fan in particularly in that boss fight um with the with the running man which always reminds me of treasure mm. games because they mm. they've always had a big thing about uh ready and silver gun as well yeah absolutely um no. but you're wrong you're wrong jay <laughs> I'm with Jay to be fair, so that's two of us. <laughs> Every track's a belter. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those two are often cited as favourites. I think we're, I think we're about, we're about two for two. So. Uh, good stuff. So, yes, we've brought Jay in here because uh, he recently treated himself to a PSVR. He talked the talk for some time and then eventually he walked the walk, got himself one of those uh, funny headsets. And uh, among other things, he's been playing some virtual reality res, infinite. So, Tony and Jay, tell us about it. What's it like? I mean, I've got to say, of, of all the games I've tried to date, there's some that have really impressed me, but res feels like the most natural fit for yeah. VR that I've experienced so Which far. Which is so it's... crazy and cool given its age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there, there's it, it's such a, a different experience. It's, it's There's something... The first thing that hits you, well, hit me when I played it was there's a sense of scale uh, within the levels that I never exp you don't well I don't think it carries over on a two D screen. Yeah. I just on a uh, flat screen. Well, welcome to my life, Jay, of trying to explain VR to people that haven't. Uh, yeah, tried I know. To do it because I was, what you're going to end up saying is. If you imagine what you're playing now is like a 2D screen, and suddenly you've seen the game in 3D for the first time, and <laughs> yeah. it's all like unless you've seen it. Well, I don't even see. I don't even. That's another thing that I think is is a pitfall when you're trying to explain VR with the people is is trying to explain. Um, it's a bit like 3D. I think 3D is an entirely different thing, and I think there's a sense of spatial awareness you get with VR that you can't convey unless you you see it and feel it for yourself. But with Res in particular, it's it's there's a vastness to the levels that I've you, I've never experienced before. And just to um, clarify with this, it, this isn't the first time I've played Res. 
similar to Deacon, I think my first encounter was res was with a either a Dreamcast. It must have been a, either a Dreamcast or a PS2 demo disc. But whatever reason, it never clicked. Like, but I picked up the 360 game, you know, when it was released on Xbox Live Arcade. I never really got on with the control using the pad. Never felt it felt either my response time was too slow and I always even when I altered the speed of the thing I always felt that I was fighting against you know it just wasn't reacting fast enough for me I couldn't um I couldn't hit things before they hit me but VR because of the way that it works with the headset and you're kind of controlling the reticule almost like a mouse control you know you just swipe you just you're moving your head around to sort of just angle everything and it's just in I just feel like, you know, I've got, I think on one of the levels, I hit 100% hit on everything. And it's just like, see, I would never have done that if I was using a pad. Yeah. In fact, I've tried playing it in a pad and I don't get Which anywhere near It's a lot easier in VR. Yeah. It's just a really different experience. If you, It just puts you inside that game. And because of the wireframe nature of the game, and you'll find this in VR. So it, what works really well is, say, you know, there's a, the Ocean Depths one where you're being lowered inside the sea. And ultimately that works brilliantly because there's lots of algae and plankton and stuff around you. So your eyes are picking up stuff essentially all around you. And with res, what is, well, it's, I suppose we'll talk about Area X in, in a little while, but mm. in the standard res, there's a lot more movement you, you have in play. You can't, I don't think you still do the 360 movement, but you can move your head left and right and scan the environment in a, in a far greater um, fashion than you can you can with a cursor and, and much like a a mouse versus a control pad you know the aid old you know argument oh well a mouse is a far more precise here yeah, but it doesn't always feel right in certain games imagine playing raise with a mouse cursor like you just scan across everything here everything really far fast and essentially that's how vr works it's just it, it feels like the more natural evolution of how to play res i mean it, it was interesting earlier you were talking of, um you mentioned about being hit by things off screen mm -hmm. And in particular, Area 4, and in specifically the, the bit with the running man, like, I, I got battered in this for, a you know, the first time. He absolutely, well, I stopped at that point because I, I he destroyed me. And I was like, mm. okay, why have I got a game over? Like, I was doing so well. Because he was coming from above. Well, yeah. it's, <laughs> no, actually, it's below. But it was yeah. like, oh, okay. um, it's, that's the thing that I've, I found myself when I've been playing VR, and I've not, and this isn't the only game that I've done this in. Is you get into kind of a, um, your typical kind of gamer state, where even though you know you've got the control of the camera, you're not thinking 360 degrees. You're not thinking up and down in the same way either. So you're mm. kind of just thinking that everything will show up on screen in front of you, which it doesn't. And the running, like when I figured that out, like I happened to look down. And there it was below me, mm -hmm. and I can target him from below. And it was like, okay, this is what I and I, it's, it, this is something that you kind of need to re, you kind of re need to sort of reset your mind when you're playing VR. That it sometimes you have to kind of look behind you and stuff, particularly yeah. in res. Yeah. Like there are several points with that running man. He will go from below, above, and behind you. And at any of those points, all I had to do was turn around and look at him. And it was like, oh, what an idiot. But, but yeah, once I figured it out, I had this big grin on my face thinking, this is like incredible. I never even, you know, and it's just that sort of, yeah, yeah that so, mindset. So, so what the fascination I think for me is that we all know what Res feels like and plays like. And, you know, we don't necessarily expect them to deliver as a new game. Now, I'd argue um, there's an Area X, which feels like a, a, you know, an evolution mm. of what maybe Res would be in a, in a modern era, but actually playing Res via VR gives you a, you know, it's the same game, but a completely 
different game at the same time. So it, it's uh, it's odd having that kind of uh, I don't know kind of age old kind of clash of new and old because you're experiencing it at the same time. I believe that, and it makes stupid thematic sense uh, for this particular game as well, yeah. because yeah. because of the whole theme of being, yeah, you're in a, inside a simulation, <laughs> inside yeah. the system, so it, uh, it melts together quite beautifully, and I'm, I would really love to try it out. Myself. He was well ahead of his time uh, with Miz on this, I on think, this front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's something that is, is kind of his thing, really, to <laughs> see yeah. sort of like to sort of be thinking five to ten years where you know down the line so those of us who uh, haven't uh, been lucky enough to experience virtual reality any, uh, of any sort yet um some of us uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with our friends another british podcast called the computer game show they did a sort of special when psvr came out they went round to uh, one of their number matt murray's they went to his house and they played stuff and they talked about the experience and probably the one that they were the most effusive about was res and specifically it was this new area so for the infinite version of res PS4 and PC and Android. Uh, there is a new area which they built in Unreal Engine, and it's called Area X. Now I've played it standard on on a good old fashioned 2D 1080p screen, <laughs> and it was a bit underwhelming to be honest. It was uh, it was like yeah, this isn't as good as the old levels of Res. But hearing those chaps talking about it on that podcast, where they were actually properly like some of them got genuinely emotional because of the experience it had given them that was like as good a kind of you know sales pitch for psvr as as i've heard anyone give i completely understand even though i don't understand if you know what i mean i understand how difficult it is for the likes of tony and jay to sort of proselytize vr without those to experience it but actually what what those guys did was just kind of try to convey the feeling of of the you know the sort of the level of the profound kind of difference it made it it sounded like something you know genuinely like transcendental i can get behind that <laughs> i can um i think it's the the area rex is in some ways fundamentally different from the rest of the rest, it is, not just yeah. in the visuals yeah it's off rails you have i have full control of where the direction and speed i go in and and you, you can tr- you know with VR, you, you're literally space. just looking. Yeah, you're looking at the direction you want to fly, and and then you can hit R2 and you speed up, and, and or you can grind to a halt to, to, you know, just sort of hovering midair and stuff. So there's this sense of it being different in its control as well. I, I mean, it is a it is a level that feels fundamentally designed to accommodate VR or for for VR in a sense. It feels yeah. so well, natural in that state. Um, when you're playing it, it's, it every the visuals complement it. There's like you know particle effects that you know you you feel are all around you and just mm. sort of like yeah, it's just it is visually breathtaking. When I had that, that sense place. when I was playing it old school that it mm. was like one watching one of those very heavily made for 3D films that you were watching on a on a television um, like like it's like it it didn't have any real impact. I to think it I think me. I mean I played it in in standard. I just I've played it in the normal view, not in VR. Josh, have you played? Because you played Infinite Avenue on PC. Yeah, I I deliberately avoided Area okay, X right. though on the off, it. off chance I'll play it in VR. Right, so you're, you're coming around. You're going to come Josh. play this, right? But okay, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I played it in 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 standard uh, form, and to me, it's I think 
it's a natural progression. I think if they were to make a Res 2, it's what Res 2 would essentially be. Now, it's it's not quite as as rigid as the the main game. Um, there is a, a more movement, but I think from a visual standpoint of point of view, it's it feels like a 2018, what 2016 game when it was released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it feels more. Yeah, there is a lot of particle effects, etc. Um, and uh, much like Child of Eden, it's it's a lot more organic. It's less mechanical. There's you know, there's whales with areas that you hit on them, and you know it, it makes a completely different tune to what you're used to from Res. And but it yeah. kind of finishes the same with um, you know like an Eden form at the end of the Aerial X demo. So there's um, there's similarities certainly between the two. But playing in, in, in and they're, they're actually they do a couple of things. This isn't the case now because they've actually put an update out that um, allows you to play Area X straight off if you wish to. But um, originally uh, when they re- first released it, you had to play through the entirety of Res first and then unlocked Area X. Oh, right. Um, no, you had to play for an hour. Okay. But, you had to well, you play can pretty much just beat, yeah, beat so you can get to grips with the, and, um, the way it worked. I think that's that was a very clever tactic because I think what it does, it... it, it you know, re-familiarizes you with if you haven't played Res for a long time, or if you're new to Res, what Res was, and then it kind of introduced this this new kind of synesthesia moment in VR, and because you have the context of what you know Res was, and bear in mind, I think Res looks the best it's ever looked in VR in a standard point of view. So, you know, it was it was really interesting for me to play that in a in a kind of a three D environment, but the jump to Area X basically. Because you're in space and there's a lot of particle effects, there's a lot of stuff visually happening around you. So the easiest way I can describe it is if you were to go and stand in in the center of a fireworks display, it would hmm. probably be incredibly scary and incredibly loud and you wouldn't see a thing. But if you imagine that wasn't the case and you were seeing <laughs> the fireworks from like a Fantavision point of view and the world blowing up around you and your interaction you know, just fill in the whole sound space and the whole visual space. So not just the sound space, the visual space around 360 around your head and you're chasing down the things that you're, you know, essentially destroying. Um, it's really powerful. So it just has that, you know, like we talked before about earlier in the game, there's that transformative moment of synesthesia of both sound and visual. And I think whether the VR is for everybody, I don't know. But to me, if you, if you had a, VR is not for kids, but okay. So you had a thirteen-year-old kid, where the age limit where they allowed it. If you if you showed them Res from two thousand and one and said, "Well, this is gaming in two thousand and one," and they had no context of this, they just happened to be this age, and then you showed them Res Area X VR in you know twenty eighteen, they would absolutely believe you. Okay, that is twenty years of gaming. You know, that is what's happened here. Like, we've come that far. And it just feels like this boundary breaking. Like, oh, my God, VR is perfect. It's not perfect. Trust me, I've played a lot of games that do not necessarily work in VR. But for this game in particular, it does feel like the next evolution of what Miz would want his work to be. Um, and if you haven't tried it, it's absolutely one of the single greatest um, endorsements of, of VR you can you can experience. And I think someone like you, Leon, someone like you, Josh, mm. that has experienced the game so many times throughout the years, to see it in a completely different view is utterly mind-boggling because it's it just it takes your perspective of what you're expecting from that. And for me, it's relatively hard now to go back and just play the original version because you know it it feels in itself a little dated now. I'll, I'll read my rant. The, the similar thing happened to me with um, a very similar music game, Thumper. Now, Thumper 
you know, it's uh, it's quite a violent music game. You know, the very different soundtrack to to Res, and on in standard, you know, playing it just normally, like it's yeah, it's good. It, there's a there's a kind of enjoyment to it. But in VR, where you feel you're part of the track and you're part of the environment that's smashing off the side of these walls, and you're generating the music yourself, it's a completely different experience. So I think yeah, if if you can get yourself a look at VR and this game and I well, think well I'm waiting for my invite any um, time you wish to come so. Josh certainly because I think yeah it would be interesting <laughs> for you to see and yeah there's lots of games where this does yeah, this Tony happens. has invited invited <laughs> me multiple times and I've failed to show as yet I'm very sorry uh, so but yes it will happen one day I'm sure Simon Sloth from the forum on this subject says I've always struggled to see why this game is held in high regard by so many people whenever I, uh, whenever playing it I wanted to like it but I just didn't in general I pride myself on my broad taste in all forms of media be it games film music or the written word unlike the teenage version of me I rarely dismiss something unless I haven't uh, have experienced it firsthand Res is a game I've experienced over and over again but never liked I've tried to play it and enter this trance like state that I've heard so much about where music visuals and thumbs become one but all I ended up with was frustration and a creeping sense of boredom. I don't know why. I'm usually the first advocate of critical darlings and niche titles, but for some reasons, Res just never seemed to click. I bought Res Infinite most recently after the announcement of the Cana Rinse playlist for 2018 to give it one last shot. I paid £24.99 for the privilege and thought my VR headset on my PS4 would give it the edge it needed. It didn't. I regretted my purchase and felt a little annoyed that I'd made such an error. After completing the original res for the final time, my finger hovered over the X button to delete it. Just as I was about to press it, I realised I hadn't played Area X. Click. This was it. The music. The visual feast. The trance-like state. I finally had it. My hands and the game became one entity. At that moment, I finally understood. It was incredibly emotive and I was sad to see the credits roll. The experience was incomparable and I felt truly euphoric. I think the reason why Res is so well-loved is that it is quite an intense and personal audiovisual experience. The vanilla Res personally never felt right, but Area X felt like it was made just for me. My eyes have opened and now I understand. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> wow. I, I, I mean, I do believe that had this technology existed in 2001, that <laughs> that's they would have used it, they would have made it. There's always been this thing with Res that he's always wanted to involve the player like almost like break the fourth wall stuff with with the player um using like things like the trans vibrator which infinite yeah. has well, by the way can, it's connect as well well yeah but i think it's like the trans vibrator thing was this this thing to strap to to take you into the game in ways that few sort of developers mm. were really you know outside of say arcade experiences which was this like mm. but i think which is where miz came from of course yeah, yeah. And I think VR is that the next evolution in terms of putting you inside the game world in a way that... The sensory experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, where it's like with the 3D audio and, and 3D visuals, it's it's all encompassing in a way that is, you know, it's hard to describe, but it's it's incredible. And I think had they had this technology like 16, 17 years ago, they would have totally used it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's because the concept is so sound. And what, what they don't fall apart on, and which I think a lot of the games do, is they don't put magic hands on the screen or things that, you know, just don't work in your own head. You you know you feel like you are in the space and you're controlling you know essentially the you're either the um, the cursor with your head or with your controller. But that's you know well, the controller you've been doing for years. Well, it doesn't so. it doesn't rely on uh, to me it doesn't rely on gimmicks. No. Where its strengths lie is it's a very even on two D it's a very 
um, there's a subtlety to it that it doesn't rely on kind of gimmicks that would, in a lot of ways, in a, in a lot of games, age it. Mm. Um, you know, and like, I think ooh, the- it's a fancy thing flying into the screen. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm interested then why Leon didn't enjoy it as a just a standalone experience. I'm not sure. I would have to give it another try. I've literally only played Area X once and I was so underwhelmed that I just went back to my <laughs> beloved Res. And uh, and I think also, like Josh, I thought I'd save my next look at it for whenever I had a go on it in VR. Yeah. So we shall yeah. see. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying, you know, it's it was just my my one brief experience. I, I wonder if sometimes that because it's it's closer aesthetically to Child of Eden. Yes. And so Very. I think sometimes yeah. that if you're cuz mm. and, and it is a bit of a there's a, a slight uh disparity between the two just I because agree. of the distinctly different visual style between those levels. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't um, hate it or anything. I just mm. it didn't feel I it wasn't what I wanted from Res. It was uh, you know, I when I when I play Res, I want on I want to be on rails. I don't yeah. want to be flying about, but maybe in VR I do want to be flying about because it sounds amazing. So we shall see. I will come back to it. That's promised. Um yeah, so we have a few industry connections here at Kane Rinse. We don't tend to bang on about them too much. We got some people who work for Nintendo. We got some people who used to work for Nintendo. We got some uh, people who used to work at Rare. We got some various other connections, but probably our coolest one is actually a sort of unofficial thing, and it's more to do with the fact that uh, Jay's wife used to be in quite a successful pop band, I suppose. Um, uh. But yeah, so um, you got to hang out with some people recently, Jay, uh, one evening. Yeah, so a couple of months ago, um, <laughs> I we actually went out with a whole bunch of friends from the, the video games industry, one of whom happened to be Tetsuya Mizuguchi. Mm. So it was... Yeah. As you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Who, who just, um, just, just for listeners who may not follow us right. on Instagram, say, who, who else was there? Um, so... To my right, I was sat next to uh, Keichiro Tayama, <laughs> who is the gentleman who created, amongst several games, Silent Hill, Gravity Rush. Mm-hmm. On my left, sat uh, be, be, uh, just after my wife, was um, Fumita Ueda, who <laughs> is the creator of like Shadow of the Colossus and Eco. <sighs> so you can imagine that I was sitting there. And I mean, we had several friends as well who are... Clang, went the name Fantastic drop. people who work at uh, Sony, but it's just... Um, yeah, you can imagine that I was grinning like a Cheshire cat all night. Oh, it was man. just, yeah. We're, just, all, mm. we're all jealous, but we love it. And we Jay of Kane and Rinse it. sat in the middle. They're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, we, we haven't been plugging our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram because yeah, there, there is, is a picture. There, there is a picture. There is proof. This is not there. just Jay Jay's fever dream. <laughs> so did you talk about talk to Miz about Res at all? VR? Well, I should offer some kind of like explanation of this. Like you yeah. mentioned it about Kai, but it's, it's my wife who's been friends with um, these folks for, well, seven or eight years now. But she got into, t- uh, she happened to be, so around about 2010, Luminous 2 used their band's music as one of the tracks. So she became interested in She's always taken an interest when people have done that. So she looked into it. And she happens to be a fan of Genki Rockets, oh, yeah. which is um, a band that he produced. Uh, it, you know, Genki Rockets music is on Luminous, it's on yeah. uh, Child of Eden and, and stuff. But no More Heroes? Like, no, no More Heroes yeah. as well, yeah. 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 So she's a fan of that music. And she... They... they <laughs> They got in touch via Twitter and she thanked him for using the track and then they obviously connected that way. And then he used to have a radio show, so she used to listen to it live and then and she used to tweet to him whilst he was um on air. 
and he would read out those tweets and they you know and then when the band she was in the girl team when they played in in japan she invited them to the gigs and that's that's when they all kind of met up and it's kind of just the thing now where they kind of get together whenever we're over there but it's yeah it's kind of mind-blowing when i i, I stand back sometimes and my mind is blown you know it's just like <laughs> it must be a bit genuinely hell. a bit surreal uh like this is the first time so in the a couple of months ago was the first time that i've actually met mizuguchi-san i've met ueda-san i've met toyama-san before but um mizuguchi-san i'd never known and my wife was like when the first time she met him she goes oh i'm so in awe of this man you know it's like he just sort of does all these different things and I was a bit like, yeah, whatever. But he's just, <laughs> you know. I'm so um, cool. But I can totally, I, I after meeting him, he, like, there are very few people that I could, you know, when people say, like, a renaissance man or, mm, you know, right. this kind of thing. And, and it sounds so pretentious, but he is the first person I think I've ever met who's kind of fit the bill of this. Mm. You know, he sort of has made games that people know, be it like, you know, the Space Channel 5s or the, the, the Reses and yeah. stuff. And, and, and then he, you know, Sega he, Rally man. Well, I know this is it. And then, <laughs> and then you've got like him writing the music for, you know, the lyrics and stuff for for Genki Rockets and producing the band and stuff and, mm. and creating this thing, and then and then doing like mixed media gigs with this stuff. And then you think, and then he decides to, um, you know, become a lecturer, a professor at a university, and then yeah. now he's back into games, and it's just. I it, like I'm genuinely in awe of the man, and he is a like a fascinating person to speak to. It's just yeah, yeah. So did did you? I know obviously Jay, you don't have yeah. uh, great Japanese <laughs> to say the no, least. No. Um, but did you manage to converse with well, Miz in, in any way? Yeah, Mizuguchi-san speaks English, so that made it so much better. Oh, yeah, <laughs> having to of course he did. He's a Renaissance actors, man. Yeah, again translate everything but yeah i had a chat with him um about vr and you know the the moment you broach that subject just the way that he, he he's he kind of becomes illuminated with and it's just clear passion you know and he, he he was telling me that um you know like he he every game that he wants to make now he wants to make with with vr in mind yeah you know it'll accommodate other mediums as well i'm sure because like that's the nature of the business i guess it's just you know you, you don't you want to have financial success as well to keep things going but he is totally totally into the, the 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 technology but i think he always has been he's always been somebody who had you know like child of eden capitalized utilized connect and i think he's always been embracing of these kind of um tangential sort of Texts that have come out of stuff like with the like with the trans vibrator and stuff. The idea of using this stuff to to make for a better game, but I think VR is kind of it. It feels like a very natural fit, and it's yeah. I mean, when you mentioned earlier Android, I think that's in reference to the Google Daydream, specifically to the Google Daydream. I don't think it's like a mobile version of the game. Okay, of it's, course, right, sure, so, yeah, sure. but like. You know that as well, like the idea of it going on to those slight, far more cheaper systems, mm. and and less, you know, and more kind of accommodating to you know a lower price range and stuff. And I think, yeah, that's it's it's fascinating, and I'd, I'd love to experience what that version of the game is like. You know? I anticipate uh, Res uh, Labo for Nintendo Switch, <laughs> Res Cardboard version, <laughs> yeah. could happen. Uh, well, that is clearly absolutely amazing. Uh, lots mm. of listeners, green with envy. Uh, he didn't gift you with a synesthesia suit, though. 
But yes, the synesthesia suit was created to embody the multi-sensory concept behind Res Infinite, according to the website. The 26 actuators placed within the suit vibrate throughout the person's body along with the music and simultaneously light up via LED. Now that with um, VR, there we go. Yeah, that's the full that's yeah. the full fat experience. <laughs> I'm so watched the video of this. Yeah. I, I genuinely would love to experience that. I mean, it's got it's got to be it, you know, they should make an arcade version of it or something, something. Putting mm, the Patreon like... money to a good use there, Jay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Not quite there yet. Uh yeah, there's a lower there's a lower budget uh KO University uh version of it um which is uh yes, uh, sort of an unofficial project uh, product or project but um but yeah um so that's that uh one more piece of correspondence before we hit our three word reviews uh fieldy from the forum says i'm a big fan of most of mizuguchi's work but i count res among one of my all-time favorite games picking this up first on ps2 then xbla and soon ps4 as res infinite it's one of the only games that i've purchased on multiple platforms on paper this game sounded right up my alley a japanese on rails shooter slash rhythm game set to a techno trance soundtrack but res is more than the sum of its parts when played using headphones or virtual reality this game offers an experience unlike any other being fully immersed in the visuals and music one can enter that zen state and it truly is something wonderful the game itself is somewhat short, but it has huge replay, replay value, both for score attack and for just relaxing. My favourite level is Area 3, and as a result, I have also become a big Ken Ishii fan. But really, the soundtrack as a whole is excellent. Every track gives its, each level its own feel, along with the visuals and colours used. The story of Res merely serves as a justification for it, and in my opinion, is unnecessary. I think the game would be better served without this, but perhaps it wouldn't then appeal to a wider audience who might not want to play a game without a story. Either way, Res works for me on so many levels, and I'll keep coming back to it again and again. I just want to put in here and just say, the thing about um, Area X as well, the music by Hydelic. Mm-hmm. is absolutely i mean again it's going back to the whole thing where it's a combination of the visuals the gameplay yeah and in particular the audio uh, on multiple levels but hydelic's music on area x is mm. absolutely it, incredible and that's probably what's played with me being the less infused about how the game looks in 2018 versus you know the rest of the, the team on the main part of the show there because i feel like i've mm. seen you know i well the music just feels that much more kind of fuller than, than mm. the older music um, in the game, and you know, obviously from a visual point of view, I think you know Area X, you know, has updated the you know, massively. Whether it's to everybody's taste, yeah. But would, do you have, like be... not being funny? Do you listen to like Beethoven's Fifth and go? No, no, oh, no, you know no, what? no, That's no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolute, I mean, it's yes. like it's yeah, classic tracks, regardless but, yeah, of but what. But equally, like um, you know, there's thinking of um, music of this ilk. Like you mm. know, having listened to a lot of modern versions of these, you know, tracks like this, yeah, there's there yeah. there is more layers, more more kind of understanding of how to uh, to get the listener kind of to engage a bit more with music. Um, mm. Yeah, that's not to, to take anything away from a, a great track is a great track, but you know the you know some would argue the Beatles evolved a bit over time and or lost it. You know, there's just there's areas mm. of a, a production that changes over a period of time. They evolved just... their use of stereo, that's for sure. Yes, <laughs> yeah. or the the producer did anyway. Um, right, so some three-word reviews to sum up this uh, immense experience in just three little words. Let's start with Jay, seeing as he's joined us. Right, Lewis Filiatrol, music is dated. Mike Diver says, bewildering beatscapes. Bill says, got any veras? Ashley Day says, Panzer Dragoon Cyber. Andy CT, fear equal mind killer. Age of Boredom, 
Electronic Music Masterclass. Andrew Elmore, my biggest inspiration. Retro Clarence says VR system seller. Saif says this sounds green. Hey. Alex Dola, synesthetic techno masterpiece. Lovely stuff. Thank you, everybody. Uh, so let us summarize. Oh, I didn't include Jay. Jay, do you want to summarize on Res? Uh, yeah, by Res Infinite. It's amazing. And a VR, some kind of VR kit. Yeah, okay. That's Jay just cost you a lot of money. Well, no, but if you look, I mean, yeah, if you like, if you've got access to the VR stuff and you haven't picked this up, yeah, genuinely, you're doing yourself a disservice with that one. If you've got Google Daydream and (laughs) you can't, you absolutely should pick this up. It's like, you know, it's just, yeah. Um, it's a no-brainer pretty much yeah 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 it's uh, it's also started to be discounted as well so right well in that case uh, let's start with tony who will also try to sell you the virtual reality <laughs> headset well, now, from the base game hey um no i i think um res has uh, to me is a classic you know it has elements that playing it you know this many years down the line still bring a, a complete and utter smile to my face um whether it's as impactful as it was um, back in 2001, yeah, maybe certain elements of it feel a little dated. I've never been a score chaser in the game, so for me, it's always been about the visual treat. And there is no better way from uh, to get the visual treat from this game than to play it either uh, you know at the highest resolution or if you have the chance to play it in VR, because I do genuinely believe it changes um, the the entire experience of what the game is uh good or for worse will be up to the the person i've i just have this feeling that leon's going to come here and go nah i don't like it mate i prefer it the old way but you know you never know <laughs> but uh no for me it's, no i'll be honest whatever <laughs> it's a it's a it is an absolute classic and um one i thoroughly enjoyed going back to again and um you know i did Earlier in the year, well, earlier, it seems now 18 months ago when I brought the VR, but just going back and actually messing around um, and playing it normally and, and, and going back, I went back to all the systems and just had to feel how how it's transcended the generations and how you know, different re-releases have you know up the visual ante. Uh, and uh, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. An absolute classic, in my opinion. Mm, smashing. How about you, Mikhail? Yeah, I was just thinking back to the development history of this game how it started out because the the 3d shoot 'em up or the the rail shooter mechanics uh, was uh, a decision that i understood from the interviews that was made fairly late into uh the development of the mm. game or maybe not not so much as at least fairly late into the conceptualizing of the game yeah just think about this and the, the wild source of inspirations, the the music festivals, the 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 Russian painter Kandinsky, synesthesia, like you know this kind of this kind of development or concept, conceptual process, how tricky that might have been to tie this whole thing together and make something out of it. It's it's really exemplifies something very visionary to be able to tie this together into what Res has ended up becoming. So, you know, there's there's an age-old debate or uh, at least a couple of uh, decades-old debate about whether video games are art or not. And I personally don't find it a very interesting debate. Uh, but I th- do believe reading into the history of this game that uh, Mitsuguchi and his team set out to do just that, to create a, uh, a piece of art. And whether where I stand in that whole debate or not, it just feel like one of those games that largely accomplishes its goals or of which the developers have largely accomplished their goals in its first 
base state and throughout the game's existence and the various uh, new versions they've only managed to add to it. If you look at Res uh, broken down to its mechanics, and I think you're doing it at the, the surface, uh, just looking at it like that, um, it's just a, se- a series of uh, simple targeting challenges that become increasingly tricky and th- it's definitely... You know, there there is a beauty and an interest from a pure game design perspective. There is a beauty or uh, in there, and and there are definitely some interesting little challenges in in the targeting and the prioritizing of targets. So it's it's I wouldn't really say that I wouldn't really yeah perceive that as something really negative. Um, but in the end, I think what I said before all the the audio aspects the the visual aspects and the mechanical aspect everything feeds back into each other and Tony rightfully said that any good game should work in that way but I think that Res realizes that on a level that's a bit higher than most other games do and for that I can only appreciate it excellent stuff and Joshua Garrity yeah so this this is a really uh, formative game for me mm. um, I played this in you know my teen years so this this has you know gone on to kind of um shape my tastes um going forward um i always feel like i'm i'm on the hunt for the next res but every kind of every game that claims to be going after the crown never quite hits the same highs child of eden didn't manage it uh thumper as great as it is doesn't manage it either um, there was a game called Retrograde that all like the first level looked like it might, and then no, <laughs> definitely didn't. Um, I just think, like as time goes on, it feels like Res for me is the perfect encapsulation of what they were attempting to do, and all the you know like all the technological improvements, all the you know, higher resolutions, the VR and stuff. Like, they improve what's there, but what's there was already so fantastic. Like, it's it, for me, it's all just kind of icing on a, an amazing cake. Um, and, like, ultimately that, you know, design is what's important and, the you know, the, the, the technology is only enabling, uh, is only great in when it is enabling this kind of great artistic design and vision. Yeah, I, I play Res. It's it's one of my favourite games of all time. It's, it's an absolute masterpiece. Thank you, Josh. Yes, I concur. Uh, my summary in need only be brief. I've been playing this game for 17 years. I still play it. I still enjoy to play it. That's a recommendation enough in itself. Uh, I echo what the others have said about the sort of the, the layers of enjoyment that this game offers. It does strike me as being genuinely something extraordinary a game that all oh, they they keep re-releasing it but they don't add a lot in some cases they actually take away but they add some pixels they 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 make the sound you know more fulsome from from stereo to 5.1 to 3d sound they make it 1080p then they make it 4k but it's still basically the same and it gets better and better reviews every time it comes out <laughs> that is pretty much I, I can't think of too many examples of something where where that is the case in the video games industry especially you know we often talk about about, I know we talk about games perhaps from PS1, N64 era aging the worst, the Polygon games of that era, but also PS2 games of this era don't necessarily find themselves looking uh, that 
appealing in mm. in uh, in in the late 2010s particularly on higher def screens and whatever but here you've got a game which t- to do with its style and the fact they've you know they've done some sensitive polishing uh, means that it's uh, it's every bit as appealing as ever i guess from my point of view like it doesn't you know that that my first flushes of of love with res in early 2002 i don't get quite that same level of buzz out of it as i did then because it was it was genuinely extraordinary and um yeah it was it was one of those games where i was showing people who weren't always that into games and uh, seeing if they could get the same vibes from it as i was and in many cases they weren't but i was trying because it was that thing where you had this strong feeling that you wanted to share um but the fact that even now i sat down literally earlier today and played through area five i played through the other four levels last night uh, no, sorry, I played through all five levels today. What am I saying? Uh, and it was still just a great time, and I still was dancing in my chair, nodding along, getting the little, you know, little spine tingling bits when the beats kicked in and and the stages transitioned and all that stuff. For for that still to be working all these years later is uh, is testament to something that's very special indeed. So yes, play it on whatever format you can. So it remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh, McKeel, Tony and Jay for editing and contributing uh, and to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do please subscribe, rate, review or best of all, chuck us a dollar. It's not very much money a month. Patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. And you'll also get every Cane and Rinse podcast one week earlier than if you don't. Next time in issue 304, we grab some Japan air and celebrate the South Korea Winter Olympics with our 1080 snowboarding and 1080 avalanche podcast. Fear is the mind killer.
Fear. 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 Fear.